Now let's go to the scripture reading for today. Scripture reading is taken from Genesis 131 and chapter 2, 2 to 3, and uh, there will be other passages as well, but let's begin with the passages from Genesis. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I have been praying for you all recently um, and listening to how you're doing and you're listening to your stories, I, uh, in my time of prayer, I think I came to a certain conviction that uh, I want to share with you today. I think in this season, more than ever before, God is calling you and, and calling me uh, to rest. Uh, but not any kind of rest, but enter into His Sabbath rest. Uh, when we think about rest as simply as um, stopping from work or catching up on sleep or even going on a two-week vacation somewhere, I think uh, we are not taking rest as seriously as the Bible commands us to consider it. Um, the Bible tells us a much grander story of rest. And I think once we see from the Bible um, the extent to which God has gone to bring us His true Sabbath rest, I think and I hope it will drive us to His rest more than ever before. And in order to tell you the story, I, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to take advantage of the technology we have and uh, put up a ton of uh, scripture references from Genesis to Revelation and try to tell you this story of rest. And it is God's story of rest. Here's the outline. We were made for Sabbath rest. We have lost our Sabbath rest. Christ has regained our Sabbath rest. Christians now observe Sabbath rest on Resurrection Sunday. All right, let's take a look at these one at a time. Genesis 1 and 2 is where we find the original beginning of Sabbath rest. It's where we see that God had uh, everything created in six days, and he saw that it was very good. And it says on the seventh day when God finished his work, uh, he rested, he stopped from work, and he blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he had finished all his work and seen all that he has done. So the original Sabbath rest is God's rest. God rested on the seventh day. He was enjoying his finished creation. And think about the implication that has for Adam and Eve. They were invited to enter into God's rest, God's work of creation. It's not that Adam and Eve had to work and then earn their way into God's rest. Uh, God offered them his finished work and they were invited into his rest. It was God's uh, gift to them. But what we find in Genesis 3, of course, is very soon after this that Adam and Eve uh, lose this rest uh, to sin. And that's the second point, that we have lost our Sabbath rest. Uh, sin entered the world, and Adam and Eve, through uh, their own disobedience, they became exiles from God's garden. And for the first time, mankind becomes restless exiles. They exiled themselves out of God's rest, out of God's provision, out of God's protection, out of God's friendship, and God's gift of life. 
But God was gracious to Adam and Eve uh, and was gracious to their children and their children's children. He continues to deliver them from their oppressors and continues to provide a way for them to enjoy God's rest. He would again and again free them and bless them with his own law and his own reign. So in Exodus 19, God says to Israel, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. You see here that Israel's very special relationship to God was conditioned upon their obedience to God's law. That was the covenant. And God indeed uh, delivers his people out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and uh, he, having done all the work needed uh, for their rest, he commands uh, Sabbath rest. And, and he says, in order to remain in this rest, they must continue to obey his law. Uh, God invites them into his rest, just as he did in Genesis. The rest that the people of God uh, participated in was their declaration of independence from their uh, days of slavery. It was their mark of greatest mark of redemption that they can say no uh, to work one day out of seven. So in this way, God was faithfully bringing his Sabbath rest to his people, promising them that they'll have everything they need, even if they don't work that one day, God will provide everything that they need. But you know what's even more amazing about this is God's gift of Sabbath rest went beyond the weekly Sabbath. In Leviticus 25, God institutes the Sabbath year. A whole year of rest every seven years. Every seventh year was to be a year of Sabbath rest for their land. Uh, They are not to plant or harvest anything and God will provide all that they need throughout that year. It parallels the weekly Sabbath except it's on a on a much bigger scale. Now, believe it or not, it gets even better than this. After seven of these seventh years of Sabbath, the first year after the Sabbath year, there was to be a year of Jubilee. What is the year of Jubilee? It was to be a year where all that was once lost would be restored to God's people. Uh, Those who lost lands would have their lands returned to them. Those who were subject to servanthood because of their debts would be set free and become debt-free. It was considered the year of God's greatest favor upon his people, upon those who were poor, upon those who were taken captive. Uh, This was, in a sense, the greater Sabbath that comes after the Sabbath, after the seventh year Sabbath. So after seven years of Sabbath years, an even better Sabbath would come and be given to God's people. It was a year of jubilee, year of the Lord's favor. See, God was so persistent so gracious to bring his people back into his Sabbath rest that he just continues to give them Sabbath upon Sabbath. And it was all rooted in his covenant that he will deliver them and be their God and they will be his people. Uh, But sadly, God's people uh, continue to sin and rebel against God and they fail time and time again to enter fully into God's Sabbath rest and return to their state of exiled restlessness. So the psalmist says, Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This was the greatest predicament of God's people, being separated from God's offer of His peace and His rest. 
and regressing back to their first parents' exiled restlessness. Well, did God uh, abandon his people to this state? Uh, no, uh, because God was gracious and merciful and steadfast in his love. He was faithful to keep his covenant even while his people were being unfaithful to him. God makes a way. Uh, since his people could not fulfill the law and hold up to their end of the covenant that they made with God, God establishes a new covenant with his people, as it says in Jeremiah 31. Uh, what exactly is this new covenant? And how is this covenant better than the old one? We see the book of Hebrews explaining it for us. For one, the new covenant is fulfilled by Christ, the better high priest. He takes away our sins once and for all so that our sins would be forever removed from us. So there's no need for a repeated sacrifice for sins, and therefore nothing can ever keep us from God's rest again. And this Christ, the Messiah, he says, is our entry into the true Sabbath rest of God. We are now called to enter into this rest. And it also says, therefore, we don't have to look to the old covenant, which has now become obsolete. Christ has brought us something better. That new covenant that Jeremiah uh, prophesied about came true. Uh, this is why Jesus also said, I've come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He came to fulfill what we cannot fulfill on our own, what God's people had always fallen short of fulfilling on their own. He came to redeem us and restore to us what we had once lost by our disobedience to the law. He comes and perfectly obeys the law, fulfills the law for us. Why? So he can bring to us the year of the Lord's favor. So in Luke chapter 4, he cites the Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah concerning the year of the Lord's favor and says, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, he's come to bring us the year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor. Not based on our obedience or our works, but his and his alone. Uh, when we lost it all by our own sins, he's come to regain it all for us by his grace. This is why Jesus uttered these three incredibly uh, powerful words on the cross when he gave his life for us. It is finished. See, God, through his son Jesus Christ, has accomplished for us our end of the covenant as our representative, as our second Adam. It's so that we would be able to enter his Sabbath rest once and for all and never be exiles again. In the old covenant, uh, we see that the pattern was the people will obey God and therefore as a result remain in God's rest. But in the new covenant pattern, the people of God are first freely invited into God's rest first through their faith in Jesus Christ and relying on his work on their behalf and as a result of that be able to now freely obey God and live for his glory and bring his kingdom here on earth without any fear of rejection and without any fear of failure so rather uh, than working for six days in order to achieve or earn our status in God's rest 
we now can first be entered into God's rest and as a result of that, work for His glory from a place of safety and security. And I would submit to you, this is what we are all hungry for. This is what we're really working for, isn't it? To achieve this status of being acceptable. Uh, Whether you're an employee, trying to be an acceptable employee, a student, an acceptable student, or a parent who wants to be an acceptable mom or a dad or husband or wife. Oftentimes we work to achieve this status in the world. We work from a place of insecurity and strive to secure our own self-worth and our own identity. But what Christ is offering us is His work that justifies us, His work that makes us acceptable before God's eyes. And from that place of security, from that place of rest, we can then go and love and serve others, not as a means to an end, but as an end in themselves. So it is Jesus Christ who can properly invite us, those who are laboring, those who are carrying heavy burdens, to come to Him and find true rest. And what we do now is we gather as a church to be reminded, uh, reminded of this truth and proclaim this rest through our worship. Uh, And we do this on Sunday because it is the day that our Redeemer rose from the dead. Just as God had invited His people to Uh, rest after his finished work of creation, Christ invites us into his rest after his finished work of new creation. And therefore, that is what we are. Through his resurrection, we have been made a new creation in him. So, Christians now observe the Sabbath rest on Resurrection Sunday, which is also called in the Bible the Lord's Day. Now, traditionally, Uh, The Sabbath day was observed on Saturday, uh, even among Christians. And Sunday was an additional day of worship where Christians gathered to celebrate uh, the Lord's resurrection. But over time, the the day of worship gradually uh, shifted more to Sunday uh, for both Jewish and uh, Gentile Christians. And let me just give you briefly two biblical reasons. And, And there are other reasons, but let me just give you two biblical reasons as to why. And one is more historical and the other is a bit more uh, theological. Here's the historical reason from the Bible. Uh, The Sabbath worship in the Jewish synagogues was not an exclusively Christian gathering, uh, nor was it entirely welcoming of the gospel message. And we see this all throughout the book of Acts. Christians were tolerated uh, for a while as a sect of Judaism, But it was becoming less and less the case, and it was utilized more by the apostles as a missional channel to convert the unbelieving Jews and Gentiles. And as we know from Saul's example, uh, Jewish persecution of Christians was a real thing. And, of course, Jesus even himself was oftentimes uh, kicked out of the synagogue for preaching the gospel. So it was natural that given this environment that uh, over time the gathering of Christians, the fellowship of Christians, the worship of God uh, within the the gospel community uh, was becoming more and more exclusively on the Lord's Day. Here's the theological uh, reason from the Bible that I think is is a better uh, reason actually. Consider this, that God deliberately raised Jesus 
not on Sabbath day, but on Sunday. That's very noteworthy. The Lord of the Sabbath was not raised on Sabbath day, but the day after Sabbath day, on the first day. If we put our theological thinking caps on for a moment, um, we can see that this is exactly like the year of Jubilee, which was a Sabbath year that came after the Sabbath year on the first year. Just as a resurrection came after the Sabbath day on the first day. And it is on this first day uh, that Jesus brings to his followers, to his people, who are anxious, who are restless, the true meaning of rest. Peace be with you. And not only that, uh, the Pentecost, uh, as you know, the day on which, in a sense, the New Testament church was birthed, uh, was on a Sunday as well. And we also see the apostolic record of the pattern of Sunday worship where the church gathers to have communion, uh, give offering, and listen to God's word on the first day of the week. And again, the Apostle John clearly recognizes that Sunday is now the Lord's day. And this is to be for the church a weekly reminder of the coming of the Lord's final day uh, when he will bring to us an eternal rest from our labors and our toil. Now, uh, the Apostle Paul also tells us in Romans 14 that we are not to pass judgment on those with a weaker faith or conscience, but we are to welcome them and not quarrel with them. And he says that includes people who refrain from certain food and drink and those who, quote, esteem one day as better than another. We are not to argue over which day is better, which day is, is more suited for worship. We have to maintain our Christian unity and gospel unity, even with these secondary non-essential disagreements. But what we must all recognize is that Christ is the true Lord of the Sabbath, and only He can give us the deep spiritual rest that we are all craving on the inside. No amount of vacationing, uh, no amount of entertainment, or food, or drink, or other pleasures can give us this lasting rest that only Christ uh, can give us. And our church's understanding is this, that uh, we are to gather and celebrate on Resurrection Sunday how the Lord of the Sabbath has come, how He has died for our sins and fulfilled all the law required in the, in the New Covenant, how he rose from the dead and is preparing a room for us in his eternal kingdom. And as we do so, we declare the year of the Lord's favor, the year of jubilee that will be ours forever. So there is now a delightful burden on us as God's people to observe Sabbath rest, not to cast it aside, but to keep it holy. And as the body of Christ practice Sabbath rest consistently, at least on a weekly basis, it's because we believe the Lord of the Sabbath, who says to you, who says to me, it is finished. Let's trust in Him. Let's pursue the Sabbath rest in Christ and declare to the world our independence and our freedom. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Son who brings us the eternal rest, and the favor of you that we really crave deep down inside. We, Lord, for too long we have strived to work to justify ourselves, work to um, 
prove to others our self-worth. But Lord, would you help me and our church, help all of us uh, turn to the cross on which we find our truest worth and our truest acceptance, our adoption into your family. And as we behold this Lord of the Sabbath, and as we reflect upon his resurrection, as we uh, remember all of his promises and look forward to his return, may we pursue this rest here and now, declare our independence and our freedom from the world, and Lord, uh, invite others and display to others um, this good news. Would you help us do this during this season? Uh, And we pray especially for those who are really in need of this rest, but in a season that really requires their essential services and are not able to rest uh, as as you would like them to. Uh, Give them wisdom in this. Uh, Help them to find your presence in the work they do and uh, give them the the strength and the, the courage and the wisdom to pursue this Sabbath rest, even during this season. God, uh, we pray for your continual guidance during this season. Continue to to lead us and shepherd us into your rest. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.